So everyone in the gym was standing in a circle. Dead silent. Dead silent. Watching this happen. And we all just heard this. Oh. Oh, make you sick to your stomach. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Thanks, Mr. Uh, now look, here's a house full of bees. Like you think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I It sure is. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good, huh? Yeah. What what song is that? Marijuana. Marijuana. Yeah. It's kind of an older one, right? Yeah. I think so. I mean, I kind of came across Reverend Horton Heat all at once, so I don't know yeah. which album was I when. I think that's pretty old because uh, as soon as I heard that one guitar line, I'm like, oh, it like scratches that itch. I'm like, I, I, I definitely know this one. Yeah. When the bass uh, really like jumps on it too, you know that's yeah Jimbo kind of just. Did you ever see them live? I don't think I did. No, phenomenal. Real. That's yeah. what I heard. Yeah. yeah, really good. I remember they came up. This is when I was still living in Humboldt, and Humboldt had a super snooty, like punk scene. Uh huh. And they came up and played. It was them and um, and DOA from Canada. It was a great show. Really good. Okay. And. Um, DOA just killed it, old school punk. Um, and then uh, the Reverend played, and there was a just, uh, it was a packed show because uh, Humble has a pretty, uh, pretty strong kind of redneck <laughs> kind of contingent. You mm-hmm. know, the Reverend kind of falls right in line. And they uh, just killing it right out of the gate. I mean, they put on a great show. And yeah. he is such an underrated guitar player, the Reverend Horton Heat. Oh, really? Amazing guitar player. Yeah, just a. Sh- like a complete shredder. Everyone in the band is great, but it's like, yeah. I didn't realize until I saw him live. I was like, oh my god! Like he's like, uh, he, he's up there for that style of guitar, like up there with uh, Brian Seltzer from the Stray Cats, another just insane shredder that people kind of gloss over. Yeah, I, I would guess they've played a number of shows together too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, so they uh, played, and but there was this large group of snooty punk rockers with their arms folded, folded. Uh, to quote the Jossa show, the, the impress me bro stance. Right. <laughs> just sitting there like, because <laughs> they're playing like some country stuff and some rockabilly stuff, but uh-huh. they also like do some punk rock stuff. And, you know, in these, uh, this large group of punk rockers, you, you could tell they had gone there deciding to be in a bad mood. Right. And, uh, 
And I remember him looking out there. He just, <clears throat> the dude has such a, like, commanding stage presence. He's like, all right, what do you all want to hear? <laughs> he's like, look at these punk rockers. He's like, what, you guys want to hear something fast, like some punk rock? I'm like, yeah. He's like, nah. <laughs> he's all, let's keep it country. <laughs> and they did all these, like, slow country songs. I remember seeing it going, like, that's how you put on a show right there. Hell, yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Wow, good for him. Yeah. I, uh. We we were over at my aunt and uncle's last night for dinner, and my aunt got this game out that she had received for her birthday. Twister? Yeah. She, man, she is flexible. Hey, well, yoga. Yeah. Honestly, she's probably more flexible than <laughs> anyone else in the room. <laughs> Let's see. My uncle, no. My dad was there. Definitely not him. Yeah. Maybe uh, Junior could right. outflex my aunt. Yeah. So uh, we were all there, and... One of the, it was this kind of, the game was, you pull a card, and on the card it says to do something. Mm-hmm. Basically like a conversation. And from what I remember, uh, your uncle loves games. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> he was not in a good mood last night. <laughs> but That is, me and your uncle are simpatico on that. The intelligence of this gift, though, was that the game is about conversation. Mm-hmm. And so it ropes people that like conversation into the game. Okay. There's no winning and losing. Right, right. It's just like a conversation starter. Yeah. Here's some topics. Talk amongst yourselves, yeah. basically. There's no winning. There's only losing friendship. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there's only ruining family, lifelong All right, here's my card. Yeah. Who are you voting for? <laughs> <laughs> right. Should we talk about minimum wage again? <laughs> So, uh, one of the cards that got pulled out was, uh, what lie are you, what lie have you been caught in and was embarrassing? What was the most embarrassing lie that you've been caught telling? Uh And I couldn't think of one. Right. Because I don't really like to lie Mm -hmm. and, uh, I kind of make it a point not to, Mm -hmm. I'll go to great lengths not to lie most of the time. Right. Um, because I'm just that good of a person. The, the best advice I've ever got, if you always tell the truth, you never have to remember anything. Mm-hmm. That's someone with... Uh, That's why your memory's so bad, though. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> never, I never exercise. You don't exercise it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so uh, I couldn't think of one, And long story short. But with Reverend Horton Heat, uh, uh-huh. I was thinking about it today, and right before I came over here, one came to mind. This is so stupid and very embarrassing. Okay. But I'm going to tell Well, let's put it on the internet. I'm going to tell you and a million other people right now. I went into the record store when I was living in San Diego, and I wanted to buy a Reverend Horton Heat album, but I didn't uh-huh. want to buy, like, all the albums. I couldn't afford, you know, so I just got his greatest hits. Okay. And some guy, like, you know how... Kind of lame. Employee, but- <laughs> yes. Agreed. Um, you know, employees in record stores oh, yeah. are also kind of lame. Right. And so I felt the like they're up there with uh, the, the people in the gun community or punk rockers. Right? I get it. I'm not cool. Like yeah, you just help or me. Or the steel. I'm trying to buy something here right now. The steel shop you go into, or Mount Storm Lumber Products, right. wherever. Yeah, yeah. Just a, you're just not in the club. And yeah. oddly enough, Home Depot employees who don't know where anything is, they're like, no, they don't make that. I'm like, this is what I do for a living. They make it. Can you just point me to where it is, please? You, if you. God have mercy on your soul if you make the mistake of asking a Home Depot employee <laughs> where something is located. Did I tell the story? Is, am I repeating myself? No, to, go ahead. I went into Home Depot one time. I was in a big hurry. I needed rope. We were on our way to 
do something. I, we had to grab rope to tie something down. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like running through you the door. You were looking for Jesse Smollett. And I see... <laughs> <laughs> we were on our way to a NASCAR show, actually. We we're going to tie up some uh, garage door handles. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I see the employees standing by the door, and I'm kind of running through the door, and I'm, I see them out of the corner of my eye, and I'm like, oh, what's, you know, what's quicker? I could probably find the rope, but, I mean, it's fucking rope. Yeah. You got to know a rope. Yeah. There's one aisle with fasteners and bungee cords and tie-downs and straps and rope and string and everything. Like, that's an aisle. It's not like I'm asking for some obscure plumbing part. So I'm like, fuck it. And I asked the chick at the door, Where's the rope? And she's like, oh, I don't know, but I can Google it for you. And she pulls out her phone. So I'm just like, oh, I too can Damn Google it. it for me. <laughs> just left. I was like, fuck. I'm just going to run down the aisle. I had this battle because uh, I try not to go to Home Depot, but for the job that I'm on right now, there's just, it's just halfway in between. So every once in a while, like, if it's like seven in the morning, I'm like, I just, I have to go there real it quick. It sucks when Home Depot is the closest option. But I always say, I always try to find everything myself. And usually pretty intuitively, you can kind of figure it out. And, and then, um, but yeah, it drives me nuts when I say, "Hey, uh, do you have such and such?" He goes, "Hmm, yeah, let's take a look." And now I'm following him around, and he's trying to find it. And I'm just—I I always feel like I'm looking at the guy, like, "If you don't know, just tell me." If we're—I don't need to be in this three-legged race where I, we're both trying to find it. Because I guarantee, <laughs> like, if you don't know where it is, and I don't know where it is, that I will f- beat you. I, I will do it before okay? you. <laughs> you want a race? I'll fucking go right now. Yeah, you got to have that thought in your mind, too, as you're approaching the employee. Like, it's just that, that internal debate, that internal dialogue, right. if you will. Should I ask him? Yeah, he's not and I, yeah, I would also know. add, I think it's important, we talked about this a while ago, is like, read the, read the, read the person, like, read their body language, take a, take a quick stock. You have to stereotype, going like, is this, uh, well, this going to work out for me or not? Because it's like, you know, I have, right. I have to assess this person. How are they moving around? Are they, you know, are they breathing through their mouth and kind of staring at the ceiling? Yeah. Like maybe just I move on and try to figure right. this out myself. But then again, you're also calibrating your meter, your gauge, right. because you're in Home Depot. Right. So, yes, they are breathing through their mouth and staring at the ceiling. <laughs> but, you know, there's these other three guys like, okay, calibrate for Home Depot. It's a tricky math. The tricky man. I don't know. I find it's better just to go with the flat rule: never ask anyone yeah. at Home Depot where something is. I always try to find it myself, and then I think that the if you tally up all the time that you spent looking for stuff in Home Depot, if you never asked someone for help, you'd end up ahead. It's a metaf- end of your life. It's a metaphor for technology. <sighs> if you go like, wow, you know, this is great. All these cell phones and web browsers and all this stuff, but yeah, cancer treatment. How, how much time do you spend <laughs> trying to get said technology to work? Versus how much time did it save you? And the strife that it's caused. Right. Yeah. Which for you, which, I think, which, obviously. Yeah, just before we started the show, like, let me get that article. Like, this email doesn't matter. Okay, I'm not, we just won't talk about this. I'm not, I'm not dealing with this at all. <laughs> this is no longer a topic of interest. No. All so, right, so back to the record plain, store. Plain, okay. So I, uh, the dude, I feel the pressure from this, like, jerk working at the record store. He's like, oh, you're looking for a Reverend Horton Heat, huh? And I told him, I was like, yeah, I lost all my uh, my Reverend Horton Heat CDs, so, <laughs> so I thought I'd just get the uh, the compilation just to kind of you know cover all the bases. Yeah, just kind of you know <laughs> dust the rust off a so, little bit. There you go. Most embarrassing lie that I ever told. Wow. Um, if that's the uh, if that's the worst you can do, uh, you, you've had a pleasant life, dude. So, I one more story from this game okay. last night. 
I start thumbing through the cards because most of the cards suck. Yeah. And that's, if you're going to play this game, you can't just take what you get. You have to pick the good cards or else it's boring. Right. And I, I'm thumbing through and I find a land on one and it says, have you ever been conned? Mm. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I told about the time that I almost got conned by the Nigerian prince when I was selling my truck on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uncle told the story about getting conned at the fair, um, which is like, for him, yeah. amazing that yeah. someone was able to pull one over. Yeah. The way he told the story, too, he's like, I'm, I'm thinking at this point, like, okay, we're going to have a TV, we're going to have a radio, we're going to have this reel-to-reel record. How are we going to carry all this stuff across the fairgrounds over to the car? Like, this oh, is wow, gonna... like old school con. Yes. Nice. This is back in, yeah, when the, his kids were little. Yeah. And he lost all his money. Had to go back to his house, get more money, so that the kids could actually, like, ride the rides and eat the fucking <laughs> corn dogs and shit. <laughs> Fully scam. <laughs> oh, dude, that's brutal. But so Junior was there and it was his turn to go because he wants to participate. And he's like, well, what does con mean? I'm like, well, it's kind of like when someone like tricks you out of something. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. So like one time he has an imaginary friend named Andrin. He just made that name up. Um, he actually has two. Yeah. Andrin and Henry. Mm-hmm. But he's like, so, uh, oh, yeah, no, I, I got a story. He's like, yeah, one time um, Andrin... Uh, I went over to his house and he told me that we were going to go to the park and instead he just kicked me in the balls. (laughs) (laughs) Not really a con, but uh, you're in the wheelhouse for sure. Oh my God. Gertrude and I were laughing so goddamn hard. That's pretty good. Do you remember the, um, that con that was around, geez, this must've been like early two thousands where, um, People would buy this dog shit, like super crappy, worth like, nothing stereo equipment, like speakers. What it was was speakers. Okay. And they would drive around with them in a van, and they'd drive around parking lots. And what they would do is pose themselves as um, guys that work for the company. And like, mm-hmm. hey, yeah, we just did this install, but the company sent us two sets. Like, do you want to buy these? Like, I'll sell them to you right now. Like, we need to get, we can't take them back to the warehouse. Otherwise, we give them back to the company. Do you remember this at all? No, but this is like, I love this. Yeah. Uh, we, we talked a long time last night about cons. This is yeah. like, this is a classic. Yeah. Right? I remember when I was. Some great reason why you're getting this super great deal for next to nothing. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was in Sonoma State. I was, I was walking out of class and into the parking lot, and that van pulled up. And I hadn't heard about that con before. But uh, right off the bat, I'm just like, look, these guys, like, pulled up super fast because they have like this whole act yeah like hey dude um i got this crazy so we did this install the company gave us two sets of speakers we already gave it to the client uh, we need to get rid of them like if i take them back to the warehouse they're just going to send them back to the company like i'll give them to you like right now for like 500 bucks i was like and i had not, not heard about this con i was all 500 bucks and I was with my buddy. I was like, uh-huh. and I could just, I was getting a read and like, yeah, hey, these you, dudes are shady. You're how old at this point? <laughs> uh, 25, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Just old enough to start <laughs> to have right. a little bit of pattern recognition going on. And I remember I got into it with this guy. I was like, let me see the speakers. He showed them to me. And I'm like, I'll give you uh, 40 bucks. Because a 40 bucks, you got to be kidding me. These are worth $800 and I'm going to give them to him for 500. And I was like, they're not worth anything to you, you because they're not your speakers <laughs> and you're going to give them back to the warehouse anyway. I was like, here's a chance. I'll just give you 40 bucks. You got 40 bucks in your pocket. And he, we ended up like going back and forth with him. And like he was getting like worked up. And the more they got worked up, I was like, 
do yeah. not like this dude's on to something yeah. or whatever. Good yeah. for you, dude. Yeah. Way to, yeah. Way he, to draw he, out. He ended up the... like kind of like giving me some lip. He's like, oh, fuck this dude. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't need this. I was like, all right, man, have fun. Yeah. The, the longer you engage, job. the more you kind of draw out the signals yeah. that, that they're going to give up, that this isn't exactly right. legit. Everything they're saying isn't quite adding up. Yeah. Young people. Yeah. You, you're, you were a uh, wise 25 year old dude. Gotten, gotten out of that with your shirt on. I also didn't have 500 bucks, so let's <laughs> just get ah. <laughs> Yes, that's the move right there. Just have no desires. You can't hurt a man who has nothing. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so speaking of conning people. Um, talking about the debt ceiling? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. My, uh, my mom... Oh, boy. Brought up the debt ceiling. <laughs> oh, yeah? The other day on the phone. I can already tell I'm going to like this. We we started talking about trans people in Florida, mm-hmm. where she lives. And she was saying, it's just awful. Like, which which it, is, It's illegal now in Florida, I'm hearing. Uh, well, according to her, yes. It was <laughs> like, it is this. Here's the thing. They were going to have a trans, like a drag show. Uh, on the street in the town that she lives. What has happened to our world? Drag show meant going to the county fair and seeing like a drag race. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Tractor pull. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and she said, well, it's illegal because it's outside now. If it's, out, if it's outside, you can't have a drag show. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, well, I mean, you can't have a strip, strip show outside. After about 15 minutes of civil argument back and forth uh-huh. with her, I finally realized that she 100% does not understand that drag shows are in any way a sexual thing. Really? Yes. That's very odd. I got down to the, I'm like, so you're telling me that the men that are dressing up as women are like the men in Monty Python that dress up as the old ladies and housewives. Yes. (laughs) So they're dressing like librarians in these drag shows. Yes. That's the drag shows that we go to. I'm like, well, I, I guess I really don't have a problem with that. <laughs> but just so you know, the reason people are upset about this is because that's not what most drag shows are. Uh, we kind of came to some agreement on it. It was amazing. <laughs> if what you're saying is true, and I'm going to fact check this, then we're in agreement. That was how I, I left I, it. I don't care about that. Exactly. That's how we left but it. I don't want to see a drag show of men or women out in public if there's kids around. Anyways, the debt ceiling uh-huh. came oh, up. Man, how you... Yeah, so you can type these in? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, that's what, I, that's what I thought of okay. my mom, right? And was, she just can't help herself. She wants to fight. I don't know where I get it. Um, <laughs> you notice my uncomfortable silence right there. <laughs> she, uh, but she said to me, she goes... Um, well, the Republicans are, they're trying to put in this, you know, provision where people have to, to work in order to get um, assistance. And, mm-hmm. and then she goes. Oh, the work requirement. Yeah. Right. Work requirement. And, you know, I just, I'm a, I'll be just mortified if the government shuts down because I don't know if we'll get our Medicare payments and blah, blah, blah. She goes, but, you know, I mean, people should have to work. Wow, you guys are. And I go. Uh, I go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's healthy to work. She's like, it is healthy to work. <clears throat> Everyone should work. It's good to work. I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> Hung up the phone. It was like, "Wow, that was one of the best 
conversations I've ever had with her. You hung up, told her wife, like, my mom's working for the feds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they got to her, too. <laughs> we went... Um, we went camping over last weekend into this uh, resort. Or use that term loosely. It's very uh, rustic, I'd say. It's way up in the Redwoods, uh, halfway between here and where we're from, up in Humboldt County. I think it's just just below the Humboldt County line, uh, right on the Eagle River. Beautiful spot, but it's like kind of perfect. Uh, I like roughing it camping, but this mm-hmm. is also... Uh, when you have kids, you're like, well, kids don't really like it. It'd be nice if there was a, there's an English pub in the middle of this. Wish there out. was. Yeah. English pub. They had a games for the kids. They had a basketball court. And Only we could play basketball after we go to the English <laughs> pub. <laughs> sure you some video games right now. And they, uh, yeah, they had a little arcade, like free arcade for the kids. And the, it's the same families that go there all the time and at this on this specific memorial uh, weekend. Mm-hmm. And so... We've gotten to be friends with the people that work there. Some of the other people, yeah, I recognize them from last year. And we go with another uh, another family that we know. But everyone just lets their kids loose. It's just like, go do whatever you want. You know what I mean? And uh, there's this, it's full Lord of the Flies, like this roving pack of kids. And it is the, it is the best feeling. Yeah. It's just like, I remember having this great feeling of my wife saying like, hey, you know, where's your son? <laughs> just like, no idea. Why do I care? Yeah, he's. I know he's having fun, and I go track him down after a couple of hours, and just having the best time ever. Yeah, yeah. it's like eating straight out of the belly of some yeah. animal he it, killed, it, blood all over his face, just or yeah. just stealing money out of my truck and buying ice cream sandwiches. I <laughs> said ice cream all over his face, ice cream yeah. all over his face. I'm like, all right, but no more ice cream, like no more, no more sugar. And it made me start thinking about that. That's how I grew up. That's how you grew up. Whereas you weren't, we weren't even allowed in the house or I wasn't at least, if it was light outside. It's like when it's sun goes down, come home. As a little kid, you know, I'm talking like 10, 11, yeah. which is roughly my my son's age. And I always think about that I just don't see a lot of that anymore. I don't know if it's because I don't live in the country anymore. It might have been a country thing, you know what I mean, because I grew up in a very rural spot. Mm-hmm. It's just like building forts, playing in the creek, you know, building BMX ramps and skate ramps and well, that's the stuff. From even from my perspective right. living in Maryland, I it is different now, right? I would disappear. Yeah. Go into the woods. We we find the capital. We, <laughs> it was very close to DC. Uh we would find shit in the woods like Full barrels of muriatic acid. Right. I climbed through storm drains. We, we yeah. we'd run into sketchy characters all the time. Yeah. Like it was. I was in the city slash suburbs outside of Baltimore. Yeah. Same experience. Yeah. And I take. I go back home. My parents still live in that area, and I go up there, try to get up there like at least once a month, and I take my son up there and just cut him loose. I was like, I want him to at least have some semblance of the childhood that I had, which is just kind of free-range parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, I found this article uh, from the Brownstone Institute, which I am finding to be just nailing it over and over. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I find so much information from this. And this article is called, Kids Need the Opportunity to Take Risks, Learn from Mistakes, and Succeed on Their Own. So already I see that title. I'm like, I'm in. Yeah. Because it's, I, you know, I just... I'm 100% on board with just the headline alone. Yep. 
I love that. That yeah. was what drew us to the school that uh, Junior was going to for the last, the preschool that he was going to. On the first day, they were like, we don't really care if they get hurt. Yeah. We don't let them play dangerously, but we let them play riskily. Yeah. And that's what this article hits. And even both good and bad, which is actually pretty hard. Like, it hits an emotional spot as a parent. Like, for example, I remember one time I took my son to Muay Thai, and he was getting bullied by a bigger kid, an older kid. Really? Yeah. Um, there's, you know, they're young. And uh, yeah, I wanted to just go grab this kid by the neck. And, like, <laughs> and I said, like, let him work it out. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to step in. Like, he needs to know what his limits are. You know what I mean? He definitely may or may not have played a role in this, but mm-hmm. he needs to, this is conflict resolution, and this is how he figures it out. And so if you look at, if you think about, like, the two ends of the spectrum, we have free-range parenting, which is, I don't know, kind of a subjective term, and then we have uh, the other end is the helicopter parent, mm-hmm. you know, just hovering over their kid, um, deciding every little thing, you know, monitoring everything they do, you know what I mean, knowing at all times where your, where your kid is. Of course, this adjusts uh, with the child's age or whatever. And so this, brown, this article in the Brownstone Institute was saying, <clears throat> free-range parenting means letting your kids have the freedom to experience life without us parents hovering and guiding every move they make. And what I like about this article is that they don't just, gl- they don't just glorify free-range parenting. They talk about, like, well, here's like what the downsides are. And the downsides are a good thing because they are skills that your kid needs to learn. It's letting kids have the room to experience the consequences, good and bad, of their actions and learn from that. In my mind, it's being normal and not thinking you can control your child's life at every turn, ensuring that they never experience one unpleasant moment. And I couldn't agree with that more, mm-hmm. which was the bullying situation that I saw with my son. I was like, it, it pained me to watch because I know what it's like. I've, I was bullied like as a, as a little kid. It sucks. Mm-hmm. And bullies, I had a, I had a conversation with someone and it turned into this question, much like the uh, card game that you guys were playing, and say, like, would you rather a kid be bullied or be a bully? Because knowing that your kid's being bullied is just devastating, the worst feeling. But you think about, like, well, if my kid was, bull- was a bully, that means he's a broken human being. There's something wrong with that person. Yeah. Like, being bullied, you're being victimized, that sucks. Uh, we can learn from it. We can adjust. We can figure it out. But mm-hmm. if you're a bully, that, like there's something fundamentally wrong with your personality. Like you might have like a like a legitimately bad offspring on your hands. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't think I would want my kid to be a bully, but um, there's I I haven't put enough thought into it to have a, a really like yeah. good uh, articulate way to say this, but there is some sort of benefit to having bullies in society. Yeah, I would agree. I was bullied uh, in my early high school years. Um, I would say a large part of that I had coming my way because I had a chip on my shoulder and a huge mouth, and I learned very quickly that there was consequences to my actions. It also taught me when I was my later high school day- years – I was like, I would never, I'm not going to, I know what that's like, so I'm never, never going to bully someone. And I had, like, friends that were bullies, and I would, I'm not trying to sound overly virtuous here, but I would step in, like, all right, like, come on, he's cool. You know, I would always, yeah, you I would some, always take, like, younger kids under my wing a little bit, you know what I mean? And You had some friends that were 
total fucking asshole. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Most of those guys ended up in prison, actually. (laughs) Yeah. My uh, social circle in high school, like my later years in high school and the Venn diagram, uh, this is only the two circles, so this is kind of on the fringe, but Mm. of the friends I had and the ones that ended up incarcerated, like kind (laughs) of within the next 10 years after high school is... uh, a lot of overlap In, there. Inordinately high, yeah. <laughs> I will say. So he goes on to write, I believe that we raise our children with the goal of making sure they experience zero unpleasant, unpleasantness, failure, disappointment, pain. They will not be prepared for life, which inevitably includes all of these things. A big part of parenting is equipping your kids to handle it when things get tough because things always get tough, no matter how special and blessed you are. I love this. That is absolutely true. And that's something I think about all the time with my kid is I have to (laughs) not intentionally present hardship into his life, but not completely protect um, him from it at all times. Yeah, exactly. I'd argue that the kids raised with helicopter parents intervening at every moment I love this, are the same ones who perceive every sideways glance as a grave social injustice. I know Mm -hmm. this anecdotally to be very true. Man, so many people need to hear that. Sometimes kids are mean. Don't storm into school and demand the teacher fix it. Teach your kid to stand up for herself and also to avoid mean people in the future, which is, that really resonated with me. Because we've had situations at school, and like, I just... I'm not really liking how this is playing out, but I'm just going to kind of sit back. And I tell my kid, like, well, you have to go talk to your teacher about this, and you're going to have to, like, deal with it. If if something seems completely, I know this is where things get loosey-goosey and very subjective, but if um, something seems completely unfair, like, okay, I'll step in when I have to, but I'm not going to step in at every little thing. Yeah. you got to figure this out. That's... um... Uh, it's hard to, yeah, and I, who, it is a little loosey-goosey because how do you know exactly where that point is right. to, to step in? Because one of the worst things I think you could do is stand by while your kid's being bullied. Right. And let have your kid know that you're standing there watching them right. be bullied and have you just, say, deal with it. it if Unless they're old and I don't know. It's so loose. I, it's really hard to say. Unless they're old enough to deal with it and you could just, you know, then maybe yeah. it is okay to say, fucking deal with it. We've talked about this. You've practiced for this. We've, you know, you know what to do in the situation. Deal with it. But if you have a really little kid who can't deal with it or it's a really big bully and right. you're st- and you have the ability to intervene and you don't, I could see that causing some sort of like scarring to Well, that yeah, then I just go fight his dad. <laughs> or him. <laughs> or him and his dad. <laughs> is... It's been amazing how many, like, what could have been potentially, like, emotionally volatile situations I've been involved with my kid, like, got in a scuffle at school, for example. And he has come back and told me the story. I've got a note from school, like, this happened and this happened. And I asked him, like, so what, tell me, tell me what happened. He goes, oh, like, you know, so-and-so, like, just, you know, he just is really mean. He did this and did this. And then a great question to ask for kids and adults, actually, so if you get into something work, you're like, okay, what would the other guy say? What do you think the other guy's saying right now? What, what the, what were the, what's the other kid telling his parents right now? I was like, well, I gave him an Indian uh, arm burn, and so that's what he's saying. I'm like, okay, 
So it looks like you played your part in this, so you need to figure it out. <laughs> that is very often it takes two to tango. Right. I've been bullied before where I had zero to do with it. Oh, yeah, me too. Like one time someone beat me up in Ikea. When I was a little kid. <laughs> really? <laughs> Some kid I didn't know. Why, why were you in Ikea as a little kid? Well, I was there with my friend's mom. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we were just happened to be like we – made it all the way through and we were at the end waiting for like a hot dog or something. Mm -hmm. And this big fucking kid and his little, little like chihuahua sidekick kid yeah. was with him. And, uh, he just wanted to fight us. Wow. Yeah. Beat us up pretty good. Fighting Ikea. I know. So one last thing, this, he breaks this down to two points and I, I really like what he says here. I've always been a practitioner of this thing, free-range parenting, which now has a name. My parenting philosophy, it could be called such, comes down to two things. Number one, give your kids the space to figure out who they are, what they like to do, what they're good at, without imposing your own hopes, dreams, and desires on them. Give them the room to work out who they are as people, which is usually not a mini version of you. That's the thing I, I struggle with because my, my kid definitely has my ADD gene. And is just spinning like, and he also has this similar thing that I had when I was a kid, just completely in his own world. I mean, just like yeah. walking around the backyard in circles, like talking to himself. And I'm in the kitchen talking to myself. I look at him. I'm like, huh? He would, what, you got what? We're like not for him. Like, what? What do you? What do you do right now? <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, <clears throat> I grew up playing every single sport every single time and he does not have the competitive gene like whatsoever and that's something you know that I struggle with like initially as a parent you know mm -hmm. watching him go through this stuff but then you go you know I see him spinning out in the outfield with a glove on his head and I just go like uh, you know what he's having fun like that's all and you know my wife and I always have the conversation like we just expose him to everything Something's gonna take hold. Like we can't push him. If we push him into anything, he's gonna resent it. He's gonna he's gonna eventually push back. Um, oddly enough, he's really has a fascinating inclination for shooting because now we have a pellet gun with scope. He's pretty good at it. I, I, yeah, it's pretty. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was texting my wife. We were out there shooting. I was like, I think we might have found his thing. <laughs> so. Cool. Well, how we monetize that so I can retire early? Yeah. I don't know how you know what we're well, gonna do. How you get him to uh, become obsessed with it is yeah. another thing too. Right? Because he walks up there, hits three bullseyes in a row. I was like, okay, see you later. <laughs> like, wait a second. Like, out shoots all of us, <laughs> and you're like, come back. <laughs> He's like the John Jones of pellet guns. <laughs> totally <laughs> yeah. insane. And then number two, he says, make sure they know they are loved. Um, and that you are there to help them whenever they need it. As long totally. as help doesn't mean going in to argue with the teacher that they deserved an A, not a C on a test they didn't study for, or getting someone to take the SAT for them so they can get into a college you find acceptable. Everyone remember That's not help. Yeah, right. Um, I, I just think if you were to distill, I mean, parenting is incredibly complex. You never stop learning. Uh, the journey never ends. I mean, my mom is still dealing, you know, my, I still talk to my mom this day. She goes, you just never stop being a parent. <laughs> She's still dealing, dealing with shit that I just sometimes is they, um, I really think if you were to distill it down to these two points, I thought that was pretty useful. Which is, repeat them again. <clears throat> I'll 
I'll give you the short of it. Number one, give your kids the space to figure out who they are, what they like to do, what they're good at, and without then, imposing your own hopes and dreams and desires on them. Number two, make sure they know they are loved. Yeah, so it's like you, you give them the space, but you let them know that you're still, even though there's space exactly. between you, yeah. that you are at the edge of that space to help them and love them. Right, and those yeah. two are integral with each other. Cause right. You could give your kid all the space in the world if you just abandoned him and <laughs> yeah. moved to Give him space. his space. <laughs> <laughs> you could help me with this kid or not. Give him his space. Right. But then the in the other extreme is the helicopter right. parent. I'm there every second, you know, every constantly calling his teachers and following him around the neighborhood and, you know what I mean, and monitoring. Free play is so important. Mm-hmm. It's almost becoming like a lost art, at least. Um from what I see around me here. Struggle with it in my own mind. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm definitely better at it than Gertrude, but uh, if she asked me where's the boy and I say I don't know, yeah, it's that's not good. Doesn't go well for me. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's in the Huh? He's where? He's in the Fraser. You don't know, do you? I'm pretty sure he's across the street, but I haven't seen him in like three hours. I'm giving him his space. <laughs> That's good, man. So there you go. Parenting advice from a uh, couple of <laughs> from us. That's uh, that's rich. Yeah. Um. All right. So, well, kind of along those same lines, I ran into a friend of ours the other day at the coffee shop, mm-hmm. and we were talking about kids in school, and the idea came up about your kid's school mm-hmm. of uh, having an armed guard at the school. Uh, yeah. And I've told you before that when I drop <laughs> Junior off at his school, every time I do it, I just have this, like, pit in my stomach that I'm leaving him there totally defenseless. Right. Should the very, very, very rare possibility of someone coming in to do total harm to everybody yeah. actually occur? I'm not there to protect him. I've done everything I f- can think of doing in my own life to be able to protect him and his mom. And then I go and drop him off with strangers yeah. in a place that is not only is it not really prepared to defend him if something terrible happens, but it's actually illegal for someone like me with a, a concealed carry right. permit to be there protecting him with my own yeah. stuff. And so um, this this came up, and we were talking. I was talking to this this woman in the coffee shop, and uh, they at their school actually got some mothers, which is I think the way to do it. It doesn't work with fathers, but mm-hmm. mothers together to say we want to hire an armed guard. Oh wow! At this school, and it's a charter school, right? Yeah. You're never going to pull that off at a public school. No, I mean. If you have your kids in public school, then you're rolling the <laughs> dice anyway. So, you know, good luck to you. Um, I think that uh, at I, I personally think you're every kid in California is better off in in a private school. But I could be wrong. There's a lot of people, probably <clears throat> friends of ours, listening to the podcast who think that uh, that what they're doing is is the best option for their kids. And who am I to right do it? Do what's right for you. Yep. But this is what I thought. Okay, my kid is going to be going to a not public school next year, and 
I don't want to go through this anxiety again every time I drop them off. Yeah. So what do I do? Well, let's get the mothers to request to have these, uh, have an armed guard at the school. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, God, that is not going to go over well. And I can't imagine Gertrude wanting to do that. Uh-huh. But then again, it doesn't take that many to to make a little bit of a, a stink about something before people start getting on board with it. History and anthropology would suggest takes about 15%. Precisely. Right. So, and it, 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 part of the reason for that is that there's a silent mm, number, I don't know, majority or minority, but there's a silent group who want that but would never in a million years step up. Right. But as soon as they see a few other people doing it, it then... It comes in the 15%. Yeah, yeah that 15% can actually move the right. whole, the move mountains. So um, then, but then there's also the, 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 the hurdle of the cost. Like, what does it cost to hire an armed security guard every single day? Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, shit, what if we volunteered? So I started looking into it. Wow. So the fathers could volunteer, right? Yeah. So what does it take to legally have a gun on a school campus? Well, you have to be a security guard, which is like you have to have a, I think it's called a guard certificate. Basically, you have to be a licensed security guard. I, from what I uh, from what I would guess uh, from my walk out the door test, a pretty ex- extensive, really hard, <laughs> very hard to get. <laughs> no, you can't just be a jerk <laughs> off the street. Like, just sort of like, so that guy's carrying around a gun, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's uh, that was what I was expecting, and sure enough, it's not that hard to do. Um, if if you can do about forty hours of classroom training classroom and range training yeah for less than 40 hours you can become a security guard right which honestly a security guard standing out in front of a school unarmed Mm -hmm. is probably enough to make that mass shooter pick a different school yeah right like when we had gabe on and we were we were talking about the stuff that had happened recently Uh in, in tennessee we were saying like he said i would run into that or i think he was talking about uvalde i would have run into that school with a paper clip yeah to, to take that person out, right? Like it, Just like the cops did. <laughs> exactly. Oh, wait. No, no I'm thinking of something else. You didn't. Okay, I'm thinking. Right. You're thinking of the, the father who oh, ran in with a shotgun. No, no, because, oh, okay, that guy made it through. I was thinking of the other parents who, who uh, the cops actually arrested. Yeah, well, I mean, to go they're the just school. doing their job, Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. How's that thin blue line sticker treating you? <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so then... Um, I looked up the so for, for about forty hours you can get your your license mm-hmm. to to carry a gun and then I looked up what the the test was on the range. Mm-hmm. Would you like to hear what you have to do? Sure. It's a little bit more extensive than the uh, concealed carry. Okay, but not much. So there are six stages. Stage one, yet from fifteen yards, you have to be able to put six rounds into the target in thirty seconds. That's one round per second. 15 yards? From a standing position. Okay. Yeah. Stage two, seven yards. 14 rounds in 45 seconds, which includes two reloads. Okay. Okay, so you have to have enough. They, they, the way they do the, the training, like for CCW, you yeah. have to put a certain number, like three bullets into your magazine. So right, right. It's a yeah. force reload. Yeah. Um, so that's, and those 14 rounds are six from the standing position, eight from kneeling. Okay. Stage three, also seven yards, six round in 10 seconds, any position. 
also stage four, seven yards, 12 rounds, 25 seconds includes one reload six from your strong hand unsupported and six from your weak hand unsupported, which I believe means one handed. Yeah. Okay. At, uh, at how many seven yards? yards, seven yards. I mean, which is like, you know, 20 feet. It's like here to the end of your right house right there. Uh, then two more stages, five yards, six rounds. You have to do <clears throat> twice. You have to do three rounds in four seconds. Okay. From five yards. Huh. Which is like from here to the bathroom. Right. Yeah. Which is <laughs> this is, this is not hard. hard. Right. Okay. And then again, uh, the, the final stage, you have to do that same thing again, except it's two rounds and three seconds. This is just for the, to be an armed security guard. Yes. Jeez. So the reason I took the time to go, to go through all of this, and then you only have to get um, like 80%, I think, on this. Oh, really? All of these don't have to hit. <laughs> you can't have a, uh, whatever they call it, like a sailor, like a... Uh, right. Not like a sailor, but like a, <laughs> a a bullet that doesn't hit the target at all. Right. <laughs> you could be a sailor. <laughs> I don't think that's actually wood, lost in the weeds. <laughs> I don't think that's actually a term. Um, the reason that I go through this is to say, like, here's a great solution. If if you're nervous about your kid going to a school where there's no armed guard, mm-hmm. go get your security uh, license, right, and volunteer to be the armed guard. And even if it's just you, if you say like, let me, I'll do it two days a week and make it random days. Yeah. And someone that's like casing the place. Anything's better than nothing. Yeah. It's like they never know when you're going to be there or not. Like it's good to have just somebody there. So that's my little uh, pitch for armed guards at school. I like that. Yeah. Um, Another thing that came up talking to this person and this uh, made me think that, um, this is going to come off as a speech. I want to, just while we're on the gun thing real quick. Okay, yeah. I just came across this quick thing, is that um, Hunter Biden's liar, lawyers, <laughs> Freud <laughs> slipped there, <laughs> Paging Dr. Freud, have, have told the uh, Department of Justice that if he's charged with owning a gun as a drug user, which, you know, if you take the, when you get your FSC. Crack. If you take the crack, yeah. you are a drug user. <laughs> when you take your FSC, it's like, are you on any drugs? Mm-hmm. And that's a disqualifier. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you're trying to get your FSC. Uh, with owning a gun as a drug user, which is illegal, they will argue the ban is unconstitutional under the Second Amendment. So we have Hunter Biden's wow. lawyers <laughs> trying to argue. That. <laughs> I remember seeing that going like, uh, I guess I'm rooting for Hunter Biden. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, God, politics makes strange bedfellows. <laughs> okay, what were you saying? So have you uh, have you heard about the Chick-fil-A controversy? Uh, I became aware there was a controversy. I don't know what it is, though. All right, so back... This is this is Pride Month. I'm guessing this is tied into Pride Month somehow. No. No, okay. It's not. Is it Pride Month? Let's <laughs> <laughs> start there. Yes. Okay. For, what is Pride Month? <laughs> it's the month where they put banners up down the streets with rainbow flags and other types of... Uh, colors besides the rainbow which doesn't make sense because all the colors are supposed to be included in the rainbow that's why they chose the rainbow as the flag but i don't, <laughs> don't get me started um we're just following the science here exactly um no this controversy so a couple of years ago chick-fil-a was involved in some controversy do you remember this i remember that 
Yeah, I think, uh, let me take a stab at it and you tell me how close I am. Is that you might know better than me, but okay, yeah, the, I think the owner. So, Chick fil A, funny enough, is they run under the franchise model. So, the people yeah. that own these franchises don't have anything to do with the politics of the people that own the corporation and the CEO or the founder or the president or whatever. Um, donated money to the Yes on Prop 8 campaign, I believe. I think you're wrong about that. Okay. Um, I, uh, but I, like I said, I could be wrong. Okay. I believe what um, they got in trouble for. So yes, it is a franchise, but they do have to follow the the orders that come down on high. I believe what they got in trouble for was closing on Sundays, and that they didn't want to be open on Sundays because they wanted their workers to be able to go to church on Sundays. It was a religious. Thing. Okay. And there was a lot of, you know, of course, anything religious gets you in trouble because that's, you know, somehow you being religious affects other people. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing because what you're saying is true. It's, it's, I have found that anecdotally to be true. Yeah. It's I mean, just, that's the whole, it's just bizarre. That's the whole, Model of being a yeah. leftist, dude. I said something earlier today. I was on the phone with my friend. Uh, leftism. You know, we always struggle with the the this problem of saying the left and the right. Mm-hmm. I think I hit on something that's kind of true. Um, as you move to the right, you move away from uh, government gets restricted right if you dial if you turn the dial to the right you're shrinking the size of government uh yeah i would say that's yes yeah what you're saying is correct Um, think of it in terms of the way that you and i use the terms left and right right yeah i'm still it i still just being exposed to the ether out there in the public it's like it's hard to unglue right versus Republican. So if you said that about Republicans, I'd be like, nah, fuck no, they don't. Okay. But yes. If, let's say according according re- to the tr- tr- traditional model, what or, you're, yeah. For or sure. if you and I wanted to reclaim the term left and right just so that we didn't have to struggle with it every goddamn time we bring it up on this mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah. And let's actually say from now on, what we mean when we say right is that you're turning the dial towards shrinking government. Yeah. And if you turn the dial to the left, you're talking about growing government it's funny you should bring this up because i found i was listening to someone who was talking exactly about what you're talking about and they're saying like you know what you got you have to break your brain out of the way of thinking of this left versus right model right uh left versus right as you're talking about so thinking about like top versus uh bottom versus top right and that's i mean we've seen the political compass for example Mm -hmm. he's like it's about authoritarianism and freedom yeah. And liberty. Right. Like, think about it like that. Yeah. And that's when you, if you explain that to a uh, status, they just kind of stare at you. And... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> you, you and I are also struggling <laughs> with it. So you got to kind of let them off the hook. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So, so anyways, Chick-fil-A, um, got into a bunch of trouble for wanting to close on, on Sundays, but it endeared them to conservatives. Right. Because, I think that, and what I realized the other day when I was having this conversation is that for conservatives, God 
is really, really important. Yes. As it should be. The stereotype, yes. For everyone. Right. But it leaves a vulnerability for conservatives. And I don't necessarily okay. consider myself a conservative. Right. In the Again, back to the label thing. Yeah. So not saying that I am or I'm not. I'm just saying. Gotcha. The, what we generally um, conceive of as conservatives. The, the Achilles heel is this God thing. How so? Well, <clears throat> Chick-fil-A has um, be, become a darling of the right because they decided to close on Sundays so that the people could go, right. people that work there could go to church. Yeah. Okay. Um, that doesn't mean that Chick-fil-A is a good corporation. Okay. Or a bad corporation. Right. They're still a corporation. Yeah. That has rules that can just blow in the wind and go with whatever the zeitgeist is. It's very possible that they decided to close on Sundays because they wanted to court conservatives. Yeah. Okay. And and kind of carve this niche where, you know, Popeyes didn't quite fit. You know, and Kentucky right. Fried Chicken didn't, you know, they were kind of becoming the conservative version of those, mm-hmm. those companies. So this new um, uh, situation has come along with, with Chick-fil-A where they have now got a... Uh, so just to pay off what you're saying, Chick-fil-A uh, wasn't Prop 8 specifically, but... Chick-fil-A has, and this is from Snopes.com, so we know that it's true. Oh, good. Uh, Chick-fil-A has donated money. They donated money to organizations that oppose same-sex marriage, and that's where the original hubbub was. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So, there you go. Um, Well, what they've also done is... And they also mentioned the close-on-Sunday policy without exceptions. Yeah. Okay. What they've also done is hire a vice president of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Oh, boy. Also known as (laughs) DEI or DIE, as some other people have (laughs) wished it was named. Do you remember when uh, Operation Iraqi uh, Freedom, when they were Mm -hmm. originally like coming up with the name for like, it was not Desert Storm anymore. It was test marketing, uh, yeah. the, the propaganda. And they originally, the original, <laughs> this is so stupid, the original acronym that they came up with was Operation Iraqi Liberation, <laughs> O-I-L. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we got to change that. We deserve better psyops, guys. You got to do better than that. So uh, anyways, this guy uh, says on, on Chick-fil-A's website, Chick-fil-A restaurants have long been recognized. This is uh, Eric McReynolds is his name. Chick-fil-A restaurants have long been recognized as a place where people know they will be treated well. Modeling care for others starts in the restaurant, and we are committed to ensuring mutual respect, understanding, and dignity everywhere we do business. These tenants are good for business, practice and crucial to fulfilling our corporate purpose. Um, that in and of itself doesn't sound so bad. However, they all go on to say that <laughs> Chick-fil-A and they just say it. This is the problem is that they say this blatantly out loud on their website. Chick-fil-A's commitment to being better together means embedding diversity, equity, and inclusion in everything we do. So, yeah, they are openly adopting DEI, DEI, which is the stepsister to ESG. ESG, right? Exactly. And so, you know, why are these companies doing this? Well, we've talked about this before. 
I'm just, so you kind of covered this beat before that I did. And then I started doing, cause I, I'm seeing this ESG pop up more and more. And we had talked about before that some of these companies, your targets, your Bud Lights and all this stuff. And it's so easy to get caught up into, we got to come up with like a, like a, a name for it or a metaphor. Like you're, you know, you guys are arguing, arguing on the crust of the earth here. And, you know, we're, we're like down here. Like, here's where all this shit is coming from. Because you're looking at, like, what's a corporation, what's its main job is to make money. Yes. All it cares about is profit. Right. Um, if they did that being full, like, full trans or full white power or whatever it is, like, that's what they're going to do. And we're, not, we're seeing that not happen anymore. Mm-hmm. And we had talked about on a couple episodes ago, it just seems so coordinated and so consistent mm-hmm. of these companies. Uh, uh, Target lost, I think, $8 billion in a week, but like lost $10 billion in a week. And you know what I mean? And you go like, why? There has to be a, re- there's something else. There's a, there, why do there's they keep doing raising, this? Razor here going on. Yeah. Yeah. They keep uh, slamming their heads against the wall right. and getting the same result. Like, why would they keep doing this? You would think in a normal free market society, you would obviously stop doing the thing that's getting the other companies yeah. boycotted. Right. Right? Well, we don't really live in a free market society. No. We live in a, in a country where the, the economy is no longer supported by manufacturing. Mm-hmm. It's supported by finance. Yeah. By creating money. Mm-hmm. Right. So these companies are as much as they, they do need to sell things. They need to be a viable company. Yeah. But they need to get investment. They need access to capital. They need capital. And this is where when you because look into it, the back DEI in the day, stuff, right. Well, back in the day, it was like you can't all of your capital came from you had a great product. You were you were Ford building a great car. Yeah. People invested in Ford because Ford could be relied on to make a great product. Right. Well, that's not where the investment comes from. Anymore, the investment yeah. comes from BlackRock, yeah, and these giant Vanguard, these Vanguard. Are giant uh, money. It's these, in, these giant banks, basically, an influx of investment. Who get all of their money from the Federal Reserve, mm-hmm. essentially, right? right? The bigger the bank is, where does the Federal Reserve get that money? They make it's uh, like investments. Widgets. They make or, no, they build like they a, build widgets or like farms. Or, <laughs> yeah, they're farmers. <laughs> oh, so like Bill Gates. Or, yeah, they're farmers. Yeah, this might come as a shock to you, but they counterfeit it. Uh, last I checked, counterfeiting's illegal. Is that right? Yeah, I got to go back to my notes and <laughs> okay. get back to on that. All right, so. So the the model is all screwed up, right? It's it's no longer what these companies need to survive. They they can't survive in a climate where they get deemed they can't be they can't be the Liberty Tree podcast of giant corporations. <laughs> okay, it's not going to work for them. They have to get money from the printed the, the the teat of the printing press, right? Right, and so that's why they're all buying into this yeah. ESG stuff. And the DEI stuff. Because if they get cut out of that, they're doomed. They can sell everything they want. They don't have access to the capital. They don't have access to the Federal Reserve. They're over a barrel. Right. right? I mean, look at the big, I mean, the most popular news program in the world, Tucker Carlson, got canceled. Mm -hmm. Because he didn't fit into this model. Right. All right. These guys are scared. This is like, this is no joke what's going on. However, 
the boycotts that are happening are also no joke because they can't actually be a company that doesn't sell anything. Yeah. They have to have a brand that people want. Yeah. And so it's incumbent on us to continue to make fun of these stupid corporations that are destroying themselves through all this stuff. Not that I used any of these products anyway, but yes, yeah. I agree. Which is why I came up with this new nickname for Bud Light. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> now on, I'm going to call it Bud Light and the Loafers. <laughs> What it meant to say was, how dare you? <laughs> the only one I didn't hit. <laughs> you literally hit everyone but that one. Uh, all right. So all this is to say <coughs> that just because Chick-fil-A stayed, o- stayed closed on Sundays, don't let that con you, going back to the cons that we're all guilty of right. falling for, into thinking that that they are God's chosen chicken restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I actually don't think that's happening. I think that uh, people on the right are seeing the DEI stuff and the ESG stuff and going, no, yeah. that's, that's un-American. It's un-Christian. You know, right. it's, there's something really, really bad about that. It's very Marxist. Yeah. And they're resisting it. Um, so that's, that's why I brought it up. Um, but I, I had another example that I wanted to just... Uh, so before we move on from that, that he, because I'm looking into this DAI stuff too, and I thought that the way that people attributed like some kind of uh, religious or uh, probably wrong word, but um, this devotion to something because they, they felt that it stood for something ideologically. That reminded me of like, everyone on board with like Elon Musk. He's like our free speech savior. He's like, no, he's not. No, he's not. Yeah. Don't let anyone. He's very much on the transhumanism agenda, which directly mirrors the the agenda of the world yeah. economic forum. Like don't, don't sell your soul or, or people that are just all in like Trump's going to save us all. It's like, don't, right. don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Both of those guys might have really great uh, ideas. Mm-hmm. The principles that they stand for might be really great. I mean, freedom, freedom of speech is, I think, you know, yeah, it's a step it's in the, the right. first amendment for a reason. It is the most important right. uh, ideal of of our Western culture. Trump does the same thing. You know, he hits some things out of the park, mm-hmm. but he is not a savior. Yeah, There's, same thing with if you're uh, a Christian. I mean, you know that it's not. We're same, not. same thing with Robert Kennedy. I was like, I, no. I, some of the stuff he says, like, mm. I yes, yeah. There's other things he says. I'm like, absolutely not. Yeah. Like there, there's uh, if you ever find yourself 100% aligned with everything that one other person is saying, you need to start questioning your critical thinking skills. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So on that same note, we were talking about schools Mm -hmm. earlier. Where do you stand on the pledge of allegiance? Uh, I, 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 I have an affinity. Um, here's how I see it. Here's a, uh, I'm going to conflate this with patriotism mm-hmm. as a whole is the people that um, I consider myself to have more or less won the spiritual lottery to be born in the place that I am. Sure. Uh, the more you learn about history and the more you learn about the rest of the world. Um, and when someone went, wants to fixate on the faults of everything that our country's done, fair enough, that that's true. We have a lot of problems, but I feel incredibly lucky. So I, when I hear the national anthem or the Pledge of Allegiance, um, I'm a fan. 
just because I like play, paying homage. Uh, I feel it's a debt of, it's a, it's a, it's a sign of gratitude for how lucky I am. So <clears throat> I, for one, I personally am not a fan. Mm-hmm. Why is this? Well, I, I have a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, for one, I feel like, uh, Pledging fidelity to um, this ritual devotion to the state mm-hmm. is um, unhealthy, and it's almost like placing a false idol. Okay, in so, front of, and so, forcing our kids to do that every single day, pledging fealty to the state. I mean, well, I'm an anti-statist mm-hmm. to my core, so for that, I don't like it. Now, there is a there's a there's a part in the in the pledge where it says "one nation under God." Yeah, right, and that part. Is good. It's like, okay, the nation exists, but only under God. God first, then the nation, Mm -hmm. right? I like that. Um, However, that part was not added until like 1954, I want to say. Okay, so. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, do you know who wrote the Pledge of Allegiance as we know it today? Uh... I was going to say Francis Scott Key, but he Close. Not, he, he wrote the... Him. Francis Scott Key wrote the uh, Star Spangled Banner. Star Spangled Banner. In Maryland. Um, during the War of 1812. Was it John Popper from Blues Traveler? Yes. I didn't think you were going to get it. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yes. Yeah, which is so weird because they don't... None of the public school teachers play harmonica, so it always sounds a little empty to me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, could, I could see how you would think that. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm. Um, actually, it was Francis Bellamy. Francis Bellamy. Bill Bellamy from uh, MTV's brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought so. It's crazy. That was my next guess. Yes. Well, I was going to say Bill Bellamy. I was like, I seem a little young. So Francis Bellamy was a Christian minister. Okay. He was a Baptist minister. And I, I put Christian in air quotes in case, quotes, yeah. in case you're not standing outside the window watching us do this podcast right now. Um. Because he took out the word God. That guy got it. Yeah. Who is that guy? <laughs> that brother. Never seen him. Um, he actually took out the word God that was in the original version. And the original version was much different than the version that we have that, that he wrote. Okay. But it did have God in it. Mm-hmm. And this Christian minister took out the word God. Bellamy. Really? Yes. Why is this? Because he's a socialist. Yeah. Okay. And, and okay, so is this your problem with the pledge of allegiance? Part of it. I'll get. I'll get. Okay. I'll get there. Okay. Um, he and then he added the idea of indivisible. And so this this happened in uh, I want to say the eighteen eighties, and this was after Civil War, mm-hmm. and the country that we knew before the Civil War, which was you know I've I've gone on my rants before about uh, secession and why every state is entitled to leave the union if they want to because they entered the union in the first place voluntarily. Mm-hmm. What sense does it make that <clears throat> once you're in you can't leave? You yeah. Um. So. After the Civil War, though, that was, you know, Lincoln put an end to that. Like, now you can't leave. Right. Okay, that was, the, that was the, the law of the land at that point. Okay, I see where you're going. And so he put in this idea of one nation indivisible. Like, that's it. We're one nation. You can't leave now. All right? Well, this guy was actually, Bellamy, was actually defrocked. They kicked him out of the church. Oh, really? For giving these, like pulpit-pounding sermons 
about Jesus being a socialist. Oh, really? Yes. Um, he actually wanted to, his idea of the, of America was that it, and, and therefore the, the pledge of allegiance was that it should be more like the French revolution. So he wanted to emphasize the ideals of the French revolution, which were liberty, equality, and fraternity. And this is in 1880, you're saying? 18, yeah, 1888. You know, was he born... Here in the U.S.? Uh, I believe so. Huh. Yeah. I didn't know there was much of a socialist movement that early. Well, the whole French Revolution was a socialist movement. And they might not have... I'm not smart enough or educated enough to know if they called it socialism or not. But we know what happened with the the, uh, French Revolution, right? It didn't... It didn't go the way that the American Revolution went. They didn't end up with a free market freedom that we had. They ended yeah. up with socialism, essentially. Right. You know, one one version of it. Uh, how, how's France doing right now? Swimmingly. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> I got a friend right now that's in France uh, vacationing. And he's like, yeah, I'm taking off. Where are you going? France. I'm like, hey, have you, you been watching the news at all? <laughs> he goes, what do you mean? I'm like, there's, there's like riots in the streets and, and in Paris and stuff like that because they were going to Paris. He goes, oh, shit. He's like, I didn't even think of that. I'm like, oh, well, it all works you, out for you. You got to hand it to, to France. I think they've calmed down a little bit. So. All of the right, most of the protests that I hear about in France are about wanting more liberty. And free market and freedom. Kind of. I think there's a bit of a high rate because I know some of it was is they wanted to up the retirement age from 62 to 65 or something like that. Which I kind of get. Like if yeah. you're going to fuck us and take all of our money, take over half of our income, and then tell us that we can't retire That's until – I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I understand. I don't that. hold that part against them. But yeah. I, I feel like a lot of – like rebellion against the um, – the COVID stuff, that was big in France. Yeah. Um, again, I'm kind of talking out of school. I don't really know uh, too much about it. On this podcast. <laughs> I know. How dare I? Uh, all right. I'm just going to play this clip real quick. And uh, if it doesn't work, we'll just take it out. No one will ever know. This is from uh, Frederick Bastiat, mm-hmm. which uh, the book, The Law, that yep. he wrote. Yep, yep. Short book, one of the most like just best pretty amazing free market books that you'll yeah. you'll ever read and it's just called the law he's saying why the law exists what it should be and what it shouldn't be and it's it's so good but this is him talking about um these french ideals of equality and fraternity a citizen can't at the same time be free and not free enforced fraternity destroys liberty Monsieur de Lamartine once wrote to me thusly, Your doctrine is only the half of my program. You have stopped at liberty. I go on to fraternity. I answered him, The second half of your program will destroy the first. So this idea, uh, the guy that wrote the Pledge of Allegiance has this idea of enforced fraternity, and that's what he's trying to get across with, in the words of, of the, of the pledge and this seductive lure of socialism 
God, that's a great phrase. Yeah, I like that. So this guy's brother, just to drive this point home a little harder, uh, Francis's brother, Edward, who he was a devoted follower of, in 1888 wrote this utopian novel called Looking Backward. And in this novel, he describes a, what would you guess a, a socialist novel would be about? A worker's paradise. Yeah. Of course, right? Everyone has equal incomes. Men are drafted into the industrial army at age 21, serving in jobs assigned by the state. And this book was so popular at the time in the 1880s mm-hmm. that the only book that outsold it in the 19th century was Uncle Tom's Cabin. Wow. It inspired this movement of these uh, so-called nationalist clubs where they would campaign for the government takeover of the economy. I heard someone say recently that uh, when... Who was the president? Anyway, around this time, that you had like equal parts socialist, uh, equal parts... uh, it was one third, one third, one third. Was it socialist? Um, uh, fuck, I'm fucking it up. Totalitarian and like, um, uh, just like, like a libertarian, like freedom minded, right. yeah, like individuals. And that the, the country, you know, the, the freedom minded people eventually won, but they were totally outnumbered yeah. by what the what the country was dealing with. It was Glenn Beck who was talking about it, and that it's a miracle that we saved our freedom is to the extent that we did back in this era. Yeah. And we're kind of, it's interesting. We're faced with that again, which hopefully <laughs> is a, a source for hope because, you know, maybe all hope is not lost. Um, so eventually God was put back into the pledge of allegiance in 1954. And I just, I just felt like, you know, this, this pledge of allegiance being included in your kid's education. Like, is it really all that, um, important you know is it does it really symbolize liberty and patriotism or is it more of just kind of an exalted adoration of the state you know why why endorse this ceremony every single oh dude get a load of this fucking this is what bellamy's recommended ritual was for reciting the pledge of allegiance every day yeah for kids and this was published in this children's magazine where he initially published his idea of, of the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, it's called The Youth's Companion. Quote, At a signal from the principal, the pupils, in ordered ranks, hands to the side, face the flag. Another signal is given. Every pupil gives the flag a military salute, right hand lifted, palm downward, to a line with the forehead and close to it. At the words, to my flag, the right hand is extended gracefully, palm upward towards the flag, (laughs) and remains in this gesture till the end of the affirmation, whereupon all hands immediately drop to the side. I feel like I've seen that somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Can you believe that shit? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's that's pretty interesting, because I guess I was... I don't know, somewhat passe for, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, I wrapped it up into one ball with the national anthem, which is something I, I enjoy hearing. And, Me too. 
and the Star Spangled Banner. I can yeah. I barely hold back tears every time I hear the national. Anthem. Yeah, I think it's beautiful because it it makes you. Uh, I don't know for someone that wants to take issue with that. It's it's looking around and I see it as a communal thing. You look around like this. Is, we're all we all have something in common. You know, all walks of life. We all have this in common, which I think is a beautiful thing. Is um, it's a song about winning. And a, I, a, a battle too. It's like right. It's hard not to get like fuck yeah. It's like it. there's a chance I wouldn't be here, you know, at this baseball game right now if it wasn't for what this song is being written about. And then, but I wasn't ready for, and I, and I, I kind of rolled into that, um, the Pledge of Allegiance. But you broke it down literally, and I looked into the history of it, which I wasn't <laughs> ready for. Uh, that's that's some pretty. Yeah, man, I'm I'm kind of wrestling with that right now. I got to be honest. Uh, I am all for um, being in, you know, expressing your devotion to the idea of America, right? But I am not for pledging allegiance, you know, all without exception to a flag that represents the country, correct? That we live in, yeah. Because that flag is not the same flag that the country started with. Mm-hmm. By the way, I ordered a new flag and I hung it up today. Did you? Gertrude doesn't know about this. The 13? Yeah. <laughs> and I got I, I will be perusing the next door app. <laughs> I was talking to my buddy today about it and he said, "Why would why would Gertrude have a problem with the that flag?" And she doesn't have a problem with it just for yeah, the record. But she just doesn't understand what it means. Yeah. Because, you know, who can blame her? I mean, she sh- could be forgiven because the our FBI has said that that flag is a sign of domestic e- extremism. Right. Correct. Okay. The flag, the original flag that was flown over our country when we declared independence from England is a sign of domestic extremism. To be Explain fair, that to me. I, I'm fairly sure just having a regular American flag also puts you on that list at this point. And also, to be even more fair... The people that flew that flag in America at that time were, were domestic, domestic extremists. <laughs> and God, I mean, you know, and God bless okay. their souls. Okay, so maybe the FBI has a point there. <laughs> <laughs>